before we start today, a quick disclaimer. All views expressed are our own and do not indicate the opinions of any employers or clients for whom we work. The recommendations or advice given in this podcast may or may not be right for you, depending on the circumstances. Please bear this in mind before taking any action. Hello and welcome to Charting Tracks. I'm Chris O'Gorman. I'm joined today by my wonderful co-hosts, Amir Yacoub and Ben Hennessy-Garside. Uh, Amir is a producer, engineer, Grammy winner, uh, co-owner of Bison Production Studios and director of Garnish Music London. Ben is a highly esteemed voice coach, multi-instrumentalist, composer and producer, uh, is a music lecturer at Leeds, Leeds Conservatoire, where he teaches on the popular music course and has also been an A&R scout. I'm Chris. I'm a digital marketing strategist. I was formerly head of digital at Capital Records UK and a digital manager at Sony Music. I've also been a music journalist and I now run artist development, branding and uh, marketing uh, consultancy business uh, where I help developing artists uh, brand themselves online. Our episode today, we're going to talk turkey today. We're going to talk how artists make money, how artists make living, how they make revenue, how they survive. Not just artists, actually. We're going to talk about how you make money broadly across the board in the music industry. Mm. Um and all the different ways that you can do that. I think first we'll kind of talk about it through the artist frame of framework of an artist, just because I think that's the most complicated one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we'll talk about all the others. So let's put the artist at the center of our little world right now and just kind of lay out what the kind of different revenue streams are for an artist because there are actually are a lot even though you know sort of you know particularly now the music industry obviously been hit very hard with the, the covid pandemic and was struggling to begin with you know over the last few years <laughs> anyway um the industry itself has gone through so much change since kind of mid to late 90s with the emergence of digital downloads mm. um there's kind of been like three sort of big sort of, uh, I'd say sort of music revolutions within the music industry. Uh, one being kind of, you know, the kind of the, the first major ones, obviously the, the um, ability to record music in the first place and mass produce it and market it. And, and yeah, obviously, yes, there's new formats all the time, CDs and mini disc, if anybody remembers that, MP3s, et cetera. But, it was the kind of shift to downloading and legal, illegal downloading, obviously, and pri- uh, digital piracy that kind of really forced the industry to change. Um, and the music industry being what it is, was very slow to um, adapt. And if, if anything, the, the, the innovation came from outside the industry. You know, it was iTunes that came, it was Apple that came with iTunes, um, before any of the labels got together and made their own, you know, digital retail store. Um, so that was a big shift. And then obviously the next big shift was to the streaming. Um, and so the sort of, all of this has impacted artists hugely in the sense of it's democratized music and made it more easily accessible in terms of any artist being able to distribute their music and get it out there. Mm-hmm. But it's also made it a lot harder to be noticed and to cut through because there's so much more competition so many more artists releasing music uh, and it also means that it's harder 
to make money. And I think when you when we talk to artists about how are you going to make money? What are your revenue streams? You know, the first one I think people always seem to think, oh, royalties. It's the first, and it's so interesting to me that it's still that is the um the sort of first thing that people go to because it's the thing that's been the most badly impacted by this um shift to streaming um i'm going to talk about in the sense of like an artist also being a writer because that's the other thing because if you're an artist that's just an artist and doesn't write your revenue streams are uh, sort of less than they're going to be there's a whole sort of pub you know there's a whole vertical of of revenue uh, revenue stream that's not open to you anymore but we'll just kind of lay out the main ones as 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 i understand them and kind of see and then you guys film you know i'm sure there'll be something i've missed because you you know it's so hard to have oversight of every single part um but say if you have the artist and artist slash writer singer songwriter whatever in the middle and you go around and you've got First of all, you've got your, your royalties. So that's broken down, obviously, into the mechanical royalties and the publishing royalties. So if there are artists, there, there's a whole revenue stream for their compositions. And then there's a whole revenue stream for the actual recorded music product itself. And obviously, that, ge- that can be generated from streaming. It can be generated from physical sales and downloads. It can be generated from video streams on YouTube and other video platforms. It can be generated from radio play. It can be generated from TV um, play of the music, the music being used in uh, either the music video content being used or being used on TV advertising or being used in um, uh, TV programming. Um so there's all of those things and those things generate money obviously both for the mechanical side and the publishing side mm-hmm. so it's like two sort of different houses you have your artist and you've got two sort of offshoots and one's the mechanical and one's the publishing all of those various things contribute to both those sides and then there's a few things say live performances and covers that also contribute to the publishing side but won't contribute to the mechanical side necessarily because it's a new recording then there's performance royalties as well, right? So anybody that's performed on that record that isn't yeah. you, you'll get a piece of them. But anybody that's performing that isn't you will also get. And that's a key thing to point out, actually, because the term performance royalty can be a bit confusing because you think performance royalty and people think, oh, so when I perform it on stage, I'm like, mm. well, yes, there is that for mm-hmm. the publishing side that's the song there's also a performance on a recording mm. on a recording what as in as in if you're a musician yeah. or something like yeah. that yeah so uh you know and again it all depends on deals right because if, if you do a deal with a session musician they might um they might sign away the right to 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 get receive that royalty or they might not but um kind of the, the standard approach is anybody who's performed on that recording um, is entitled to a, a small ro- royalty payment. And depending how on how, um, you know, what uh, depending on how big your name is in the industry, you can, you know, if you're a brand new sort of session player, nobody really knows you, good luck trying to negotiate a percentage. Yeah. If you're much more established, if you're, um, you know, uh, a, a sort of name where it's like, you know, you've, you've been in the industry a, a hot minute and you're, um, you know, you have 
sort of leverage and you have sort of collateral that you bring and they really want you on that you can know, you you can negotiate you'd be more likely to be able to get, negotiate a, a percentage point yeah but but even with that though the assumption um is that you will get something like that's the kind of standard so like if, you know if, if you, you can you can register with the ppl and anything that you've um, recorded on um, you, you the, the assumption is that you're going to get that. If you work with a major label or whatever, chances are it's going to be in your contract that you, you're not you, you're giving you're giving away that right, and then, and then they'll they'll charge you like a, a set fee for the session or whatever. Mm. Um, but say say we got together and we made a record, and the plan wasn't ever for it to blow up. We just had some fun, but then for some weird wacky coincidence, which probably would never happen, that blew up. Um, becomes a hit on tiktok or something <laughs> all right yeah. yeah under my name is the artist you two unless we've signed an agreement which in this case we wouldn't have because it's just mates doing some stuff would be entitled to something you, you could register with the ppl and yeah. get a, a little uh, a little it's like it's 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 not a lot but <laughs> no. it's but it is um it is a piece of something it is a piece of something, um, and if you're on lots and lots of recordings and have various different rights within those recordings, um, you know, and then if you also are a writer as well, you then have that side of things. So I think the things with royalties, it's like little bits of money that trickle in from lots of different places. Definitely. And it's all very confusing, which is why you have, like the PPL and the PRS and uh, other collection societies that track that money down for you. The PPL is, I think, I think phonographic performance limited. Yeah, or something. that's right. That's yeah. the performers on the records royalty. Yeah, and then PRS is performing rights, rights. society. Yeah. So if any recording is performed in public, um, then whoever's written the song yeah. or composed the music um, will receive their royalty through the PRS. In th- you know, in theory, like you know. Yeah, and the publisher. So if you're like a Diane Warren type writer who doesn't appear physically on the recording, but wrote the song, wrote the the harmony, the melody and the lyrics of the song, her and her publisher get their share of the... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Unless you've signed those rights away. Yeah. Which is also a thing that can happen. You know, like, so you've got a massive artist, the writers on the record may well sign a portion, sign away a portion or, or yeah. maybe even of their publishing. Absolutely, yeah. And actually, Diane Warren is someone that does it the other way around because she's a big name. She tends to buy out the rights of the artists that she works with. Not in all cases, but I know in some cases where that's the case. And, you know, fair enough, because you get to work with Diane Warren. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so you of... co-write with her, and then but part of the deal is, okay, but... But she, she buys you out. More... It's not like she yeah. just signed, you know, she buys no, you out. And you there's get, an agreement made. Yeah, yeah, there's an agreement, and you've, yeah, you, you, you know, she... she buys it off you basically um so that's the broad brush strokes of the royalties part and we'll come back to that in more detail in a minute then there's the sort of touring side obviously so the actual you know putting on a tour selling tickets for your tour going out there and um bringing your live act to an audience um and that's obviously the bit that kind of has you know I, I think a lot of people think it's the most um profitable side of the music industry that it sometimes it's the case sometimes it's not if you're an artist like Ed Sheeran it can be extremely profitable because 
your stage setup is you and a guitar and a store and a bottle of water. So you're probably yeah. going to make a good, <laughs> and you're charging, I know you're charging a lot for the tickets. So, you know, if you're charging minimum of sort of 70 quid a ticket, you know, you're probably going to make a good margin on that. If you're Lady Gaga and you're putting on this huge extravaganza, actually, and I know a lot of the times Gaga's ended up in, in the red on a tour and then tops it up with her own, Money because she wants to, she wants it to be an, uh, an extravaganza. So there's touring, which can or can can or cannot be profitable. Sometimes it's more you're touring to promote the album to to you know uh, promote your other ventures. Um, there's obviously merch that goes along with touring, but then merch obviously sales online as well, um, and that is probably the highest margin um revenue stream obviously you know you think at the moment actually you know we'll come back in a little bit more detail on that but generally speaking you know the cost of an art like how much when you when you've been to a gig how much are you paying for an artist t-shirt or program like 20 quid 20, 20 quid or something 20 25 i've seen um i've seen t-shirts for about yeah, I'd say like 30, 30 yeah. quid, something like and that. And it probably costs 50p to make. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So already your, your margin is quite, and there's so few, fewer people involved. Yeah. There's the artist and the artist manager, and then probably the merch company that they're doing it with. There's, it's a sort of split between those three um, stakeholders. There's not the publishers and the record label and the writers, and then all of those individual different writers. Like if you compare it to like a song um, or a recording where there's potentially six, seven writers on it. All of those writers have publishing companies that all of them get a share. Mm -hmm. And then when you consider that the streaming rate at the moment, and I'm just going to make sure this is up to date. Yes. The streaming rate at the moment, and this is UK for a stream on Spotify. One stream on Spotify is 0.003 pence per stream. And so um, how many streams do I need to have it to afford a cup of coffee? <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you've got a thousand streams. Uh, what's that? I mean, yeah, maybe a thousand streams, £3.44. That can get you coffee, I think. Big money. Big money, yeah. yeah. 0.003. 0.003. That's on Spotify. It, it, you know, it's slightly different on um, different platforms. Apple Music pay about a little bit more. Tidal pay a fair bit more. I think they're 0 0.0010. No, sorry, 0. Point, what would they be? 0 0.0010. 0 .010. Yeah. Deezer, I think, is broadly in line. Most of them are in line. YouTube actually pays less at 0 0.002. And SoundCloud is the least We're at 0 0.001. Wow. That's just the streaming platforms, oh, obviously. Because in wow, addition to that, then man. there's like I, I, I <laughs> the thing is, I know this, and and every time I hear it, yeah. I'm faced with the reality that this has to be split how many ways? That's kind of why I made that comparison with the t-shirts and merch items mm, and stuff, yeah. um, because you can see straight away if you're the amount of time, money particularly money, actually. If we, let's just think of it in monetary terms. If you're 
Um, actually, what I'll do is I'll, I'll finish off the other bits and then come back to this. So, yeah, there's so much, isn't there? Because like there is so, there's so to, many to, different yeah. revenue streams. There are. And merchants are like a big one and one that warrants us coming back to and talking in more detail. There's PAs, uh, personal appearances, which are, not, you know, like live appearances, kind of like touring, but they're more, um, it may be that a, a lot of times there'll be corporate mm-hmm. events and stuff like that where you'll be hired as an artist to go and perform at some big tech conference or some big you know event and it's normally um like an, an artist i worked with recently um i'm not gonna say the name but a very well-known artist um had a big corporate gig for a very big premier league football um team and it was mm. for their you know, it wasn't a televised, it wasn't publicised, it was a private, it was a private function, a private event, a private personal appearance. Yeah. So was it, actually, was it, that was for like, so all the people that work for the, for that football team. Exactly. For the like players, a, for the, yeah, yeah. 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 And there's many, many, and that that's actually one of the things where artists, especially when they kind of reach a certain level of success and awareness, where they make a lot of their money. And I definitely know that, um, you know, established artists, can make between we're talking about well there's hundreds of thousands to several million per performance yeah for definitely a, for a short you know 20 to 30 minute set <laughs> so those are rare that's a, another like very profitable side of it um obviously you have to get to that notoriety and that level of fame before you can even do that um there's an and then the additional revenue streams of brand endorsements and partnerships and they're becoming much more prevalent now where artists themselves are whether it's a you know whether it's a, a, a like a night campaign or a, you know a brand like that where you know not only is the song used in the campaign you as the artist are used you know pepsi is like i think one of the the most famous ones you know yeah of course think of all the artists over the years that have done yeah. huge pepsi campaigns where it's beyonce britney spears you know you know, it's kind of one of the sort of most iconic ones, I think. But then there's sort of influencer marketing partnerships as well, where it's like it might not be as big and in your sort of, you know, as, you know, as big brands, it might be a particular microphone brand or a amp brand, a speaker brand or something. And, you know, it's the, you know, the financial exchange there is they pay you to promote their equipment. Yeah, on your social media channel. So it's so another, that's another thing for artists that because of all kind of because I've worked with brands, I've worked with artists, um, and sort of organisations, and the amount of social media sort of collateral that music artists can bring to the table, brands could only dream of having it. You know, to, when they see kind of like the followers that like music artists can have, like it's hugely powerful, their social media collateral. So that's become a whole nother revenue stream of how they turn that into money. You know, they've got a following and that can be monetized. Um, and then there's like things that are emerging now, like sort of pay-per-view gigs and things like potentially, you know, particularly, you know, during lockdown times when live events aren't happening. But, you know, I know like Niall... Um, Haran from One Direction is doing one at the Albert Hall, I think, soon. And it's, um, you know, you pay a little bit less than you'd pay normally to go and see the gig, but it's, uh, you know, it's still a live gig experience in the sense that there's proper staging and it's on the Albert Hall stage. It's just that the Albert Hall is going to be empty and everybody's going to be watching it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, virtually. And that's just, 
and this isn't everything. This isn't even close to everything. But these are all the sort of ancillary revenue streams that there are. And that's just from, from, from the artist's perspective. Now, I want to zoom back to kind of where we were talking about merch and talking about like the actual recorded music products. I still think that it still seems to surprise artists when you talk to them about royalties and about how much money that they're realistically going to make from their recorded music product. Yeah, of course. When you actually say to them, your recorded music product is probably the thing that's going to make you the least money, but it's also one of the most important things. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, how how can both things be true? (laughs) Because if it's the most important thing and it's, it's what people will know me for, it's what will make me you know, it's what will establish me as an artist. It's why, it's why people will follow me on social media. It's why people will engage with me online. It's why people will want to book me for events. How can it be the least valuable monetarily? Yep. And the reason is because of... The costs. The, the costs associated. So, and I think, Amir, this is where you're going to be able to talk, I, I, I think, with a lot of um, detail and experience because you will have oversight of how much it costs just to just to put a single together for an artist. Mm. Um, I mean, I know it really, really varies, but if you was a kind of like, you know, rough sort of on a napkin kind of, if I'm, I'm a new artist, I'm coming to you. Okay. I'm sort of laying out my um, strategy for my, for the, for the next single. Maybe I've got a little bit of funding from arts council for something like that. And I'm like, okay, how much is going to cost to get my single done? I want it to sound a little bit like, um, I, I don't know. I want it to, I know I'm, I'm a country singer and I've got like some musicians who've said they're going to play on it for free because they're my mates and stuff. So that side of it, don't have to pay any musicians or anything, but just to record it and get it done and get it mixed, mastered, blah, blah, blah. So it's a releasable product. Okay. Is there like a range of... There's always a range because, I mean, um, if you think about the studio game, if you think about how rates might vary and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. Now, if we're talking about releasing something to a standard which is like, um, you know, puts you in a good place, gives you a good quality record, um, well-considered record that's Mm. recorded well, produced well, mixed well, um, you're looking at oh, bottom rate, and I mean super bottom yeah. rate, about a thousand pounds. Okay, which but, is actually like really decent, and it's the most accessible that it's than it's ever been. Like yeah, because if you yeah. were just to go back ten years, yeah. And know that you could get something produced to that for that money. You, yep. you, kind of, yep. you wouldn't be able to. You certainly yep. wouldn't be able to do fifteen to twenty years. Like we're talking yep. about yep. tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds, just to get, of course, you know, an album ready. <laughs> yeah, and and this goes back to obviously when we were talking about studios and all of that kind of stuff. Then we talked about uh, people who mill around in studios writing stuff when when rooms cost a lot of money. Mm. Um, that's what's going to inflate the cost. So, for instance, we go to a a big commercial studio in London. I'm paying a £1,000 just to be in that room for the day. Um, Obviously, different artists are going to have different budgets and stuff, but I'm talking bottom, bottom rate. You could probably, like, um, 
you can make a good, a really good record for about a thousand pounds. The better you want it to be, the more money that's going to need to be spent on it and your costs start to increase. But then again, you come yeah. back, you know, why this doesn't really work that well financially. Um, if your cost is £1,000 and, and you only have 1,000 streams, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're working on a loss. And I just did the math. I say I just did the math. I didn't. I, I, I used a calculator. calculator. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah. for that £1,000 investment, and it is an investment, and the reason, like, and that's why I want to sort of come back to that and really point out that the value you have to invest in your product product and in your craft Mm. but know that the money isn't going to come in straight away from there it's but you're investing in your career investing in your future um because and this is the thing that i come up with a lot with with particularly with independent artists they think oh but i need to be making that money back right away and it's like you're not going to and if you think you're going not if you think you're going to you're going to have a rude awakening (laughs) just say that right now yeah because if you can think of it in this way and just go, I know that I'm investing in my future and I know that later down the line, I'm going to be able to monetize all of this. And it's going to, so having this, you know, you know, single that's kind of got a lot of buzz about it, having this album or EP that's got loads of buzz on it online, it's got some decent streams, not loads and loads, but got decent streams. And um, it means that booking agents are interested in me. It means that I've got a good social media following and some brands want to work with me. You know, you're going to monetize that later down the line across the board in different, via different ancillary revenue streams. But it's not, not all the pressure basically doesn't have to be put on just your streaming and um, an airplay and, you know, on your royalties, basically. Because to make that initial £1,000 back that we just said of, of, you know, of your recording and mastering costs... Um, you have to have 300,000 streams. So, and that's not ridiculously hard to achieve. Um, you, you know, you, it, it can be done. Um, lots of artists have, have in, well in excess of that. So, okay, but that's just to break even. Yep. You have to have yep. 300,000 streams on Spotify. We're using Spotify as the sort of example here because it's the market leader in streaming. Okay, so... To get those 300,000 streams, I need to be doing some marketing and I need to be doing some promotion. So I need to spend more money on that. (laughs) Hmm. Already you're adding more money to get those streams up. So now you need to make even more streams to be able to pay that back. (laughs) And and, and that was on the assumption there's no, no session fees to pay. Exactly. Well, that's on the assumption there's no sessions. I managed to get musicians to play on it for free or to, to play on it for their their royalties so i'm not going to give you an upfront fee but you're going to get your royalties but then i'm having to share the royalties so yeah yeah back so okay so now i'm splitting that money and then if you have a publisher you're splitting that money if you have a co-writer if i've written that song with another writer i'm splitting 50 percent of that with them and so you've got a low margin product to begin with and you're splitting it all these different ways there's all these different people that are feeding at the trough to yeah get their share yeah and there's no margin on it Hmm. whereas you compare that compare that with merch and there's maybe two or three people involved the margin on it is way higher and that financial outlay is all way less Mm -hmm. so already you have a hugely 
like a, a vastly more profitable product. However, if you're an artist that doesn't have any recorded music, it's going to be very hard. To, <laughs> it's going to be very hard to build an aim for yourself. It's going to be very hard to get to the point where somebody wants to buy your merch, where somebody wants to go and see you on tour and to pay for a ticket to come and see you. There are exceptions, but obviously there are some, there are, there are kind of artists that are, it's all about the live experience. And in, in a way that could almost be a sort of strategy where there's you, the only way you can hear me um, is in person is live. Uh, very difficult to do. And even more difficult to do now considering venues can't open, but yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah. the sort of, <laughs> right. That's kind of one of the it's, things you'll need. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, so you can't do anything now. Well, so yeah. Yeah. Basically, to be able to do all of the other things later on in your career, which are going to make the money and going to be the sustainable business model um, elements, you still need to make your music in the first place because that's the whole point of doing this. Yeah. So, and it, and it's funny because when I've worked with um, artists and artist managers, um, I've had... I'll give you like a little example of a, a typical conversation with an artist or an artist manager that's, you know, maybe a little bit more naive to how the whole industry works. Um, they'll be talking about, say, doing a, a marketing campaign or a promotional campaign and how much advertising they might spend or, you know, rates for hiring a PR person, rates for hiring a, a digital or social media person, uh, rates for hiring a radio plugger or a playlist plugger. And you know, you kind of sort of, you cost it up for them and say like broadly, this is how much they're, they're going to charge. This is how much you'd need to pay on advertising to reach this many streams. And then they're sort of like, oh, but what's my return on investment there? And I'm like, <laughs> return on investment? Are you joking? <laughs> because <laughs> like, uh, the answer is nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. you're in, you're not making that money back. Are you mad? You're not going to make that money back. You're just not because of what we've just discussed because of the, the margins on it, you, you literally aren't. And when you sort of have this conversation with, with artists and less so of managers, because obviously they're a bit more tend to be more business focused. Uh, but if I, there's a sort of sinking feeling moment when they're like, Oh, but once you get past that, and deal with that, then actually you can put together a proper roadmap because it's almost like thinking that actually the first, maybe it's the first three, four, five, six releases you put out are going to be money losers, mm -hmm. but you're investing in your brand. You're investing in your artist catalog. You're investing in your artist pre uh, identity and your brand presence and you're building up a fan base and you're investing in building up that fan base and you can't do it without the music the music is the most important part even though it's not the part that's gonna necessarily be bringing sure. in the money yeah it's yeah. almost like it's all marketing spend isn't it it's like you'll get a bit back but if you're relying on that mm. for anything well no you shouldn't be it's, it's all kind of it's all marketing spend basically you should be pumping it back into your that's the thing, because yeah. say you've done your, you know, you've got your three your three hundred thousand streams. I'm the new artist. I've done my I've done my three thousand streams, you know. Um, so I've made the money back that I, that I paid to have the uh, to have the record the the product made in the first place. So I've paid that back. Okay, 
So now I'm making some money back from it. Okay, so another three thousand. So say another three hundred. So I'm at six hundred thousand streams now. Okay, so that's another grant. Maybe I can hire a radio plug. Not a radio plug because that's probably too early. Maybe I can hire someone to do a bit of PR, someone to do a bit of playlist plugging to get me on some more playlists and start getting even more streams from that. But six hundred thousand. That's that's more than half a million streams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a lot that you're having to, to get to. Two thousand pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you've already and you're already and you're already a thousand pounds in the red before that's even started. So exactly. it's actually a thousand pounds. Starting out at a loss. And the catch twenty two yeah. here is, um, you know, if you have great marketing and you can bring on pluggers and stuff like that, that would help you with the streams. Mm-hmm. But maybe you don't have the money in the first place to do that. So it's kind of, yeah. you know, you're just like hoping that you can access networks of thousands of thousands of thousands of people by chance absolutely that's the thing and it's you know and there are ways of doing there's things like submit hub and there's um many other things like that where um, uh, sort of playlist submission sound plate things like that where if you're an independent artist you can kind of submit your music for consideration for playlists and it's normally just like oh share your our playlist on your social media and kind of there's a bit of a you, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours, but there's no money exchange. It's just kind of like, you know. So there's things you can do like that as an independent artist. But the thing to think is that actually that part of it isn't a sustainable business by itself. Mm. If you're an artist that's only ever going to re- release recorded music, you're never going to tour, you're not going to do any merch, you're not going to have any social media presence, you're not going to do personal appearances, you're not going to do brand endorsements or anything like that. You have an a not a sustainable business model. Unless you do something else Mm. and maybe you're a graphic designer during the day. Maybe you do HR during the day. Maybe you do, I don't know. Maybe Mm. you do construction. I don't know. And if you decide, actually, that's okay. I'm going to have my day job and then I'm going to have my artist thing. And this is how I'm going to do it. And you know, any money that I make from it, I'm just going to put back into building it because it's really, you know, the music is what it's about. But if you're like, well, no, I want to build on this and I want to, you know have this as my my sole source of income then you can do that but then you're gonna you need all of these other ancillary revenue streams to be able to do that and it's not to sort of dismiss like the the value of the music itself because again i have to restate this music is the most important part because without it you don't have anything you have nothing to build on top of it so the music is the most important part but to think of it as the thing that's going to be the main revenue driver is um, is kind of an outdated way of thinking. It's going to be the language. The music product is the language of how you speak to people and it's how you speak to your audience and how you build fans, build a fan base. And then from that fan base as you're building it and putting out more music and putting out more, um, I hate to call it content, but in a way it's almost like think of it because it sort of sounds really dismissive of of music and what it is. Say, oh, content, like I'm just picking out a little video. Because it's not. Obviously, it's far more meaningful than that. And it's, you know, far more emotional than that. But just to take your artist hat off for a second and put your your business hat on, you go, okay, well, let's think of it as content. Then I have to invest. And brands do this. They invest in their content. And that, you know, they'll spend, you know, consumer brands spend hundreds of thousands of pounds generating content for social media, for advertising, et cetera. That doesn't necessarily make the money back straight away, but it has a beneficial 
lift to how many trainers they sell, etc. Mm. So eventually it comes back in. So the music, pro- the music content, and it sticks in my throat to even call it that. It really does. But let's just, <laughs> just for now, we're just going to call it that. So the music content is what you're using to build your fan base and to base your entire career upon. Then you bring that to a live setting. Um, you start, then you, know, you bring it to your social media presence. You start building your social media following. And then all of these other ancillary revenue streams start to come open to you. So people like you and kind of want to show off that they like you maybe you're an artist that they've discovered that their friends doesn't know about so yeah maybe i do want a merch item from them maybe i do want you know a artist branded face mask now because yeah yeah of course because we're in the era of covid yeah yeah um so then you start being able to tap into those then you start being able to tap into touring and personal appearances and as you get bigger and bigger then the brands start coming around um so for example um sam smith on their sort of second single was already getting interest from brands to have endorsements and it was probably too early at that stage because you know you want to have a bit of you know kind of want to have a bit of sort of not credibility but you, you don't want to appear like you're sort of in bed with big, big brands straight away. But um, certainly uh, later down the line in your career, that becomes something that absolutely is going to be um, a core part of what you do. So that's broadly how I see it. And then obviously, in addition to so this is just through the artist spectrum. Now, if you're just a, not, not just a writer, but if being a songwriter is your main thing, it's sort of simplified, but then it's also there's less options open to you. So you only have the the royalties from the songs but then you know you don't have as much cost associated so when you're you don't have to go out and go on tour and then pay for the buses and pay for the venues and pay for the musicians but you know you have less financial outlay as well so then or if you're a producer as well you have the cost of your all of your productions um equipment you have the cost of your studio that you know your time as a producer as well because there's a value on your time um and then you know so then maybe you're not making money from, although that's changing as well, because, uh, and I know Mir, this is something that you do a lot is doing kind of events like production events and sort of conferences and workshops and things like that. So there's, you know, for everyone across the board, really, if you're a creative, so if you're an artist, if you're a writer, if you're a producer, um, you're having to expand the the ways that you can bring in revenue because it's so reliant on those royalty, um, on that royalty model. Um, if you're in different parts of the industry, because the thing, as well as the artists, there's all of the people that are essentially suppliers to, um, and what we talked about last week, the promo team. So your radio plugger, your um, video producer that makes your artist video um your pr person your tv plugger your live agent all of these people so if you're not an artist and you're in the industry in another way maybe you're making money that way as a supplier to the industry rather than as the artist themselves and that's a much more straightforward you charge a fee for your work, either a, a fee for the single or a fee per month or like a flat fee um, for X amount of hours and you get paid for it. And that's a much more straightforward 
relationship, a much more straightforward transaction, I suppose. Um, but there's already so many, just from the artists themselves, and then you add in like the, all, the, all the suppliers and all the people that um, make money. Because then with live agents, you look at live agents, well, they're, you know, then they sort of take a cut, actually, or promoters take a cut of the, you know, of the venue, uh, of the sort of ticket sales, of sometimes advertising, you know, depending on the uh, depending on the deal that they have with the artist. So there's that side of things as well. So you, what you have this really quite complex network of different revenue streams that can be quite difficult to get your head around. Mm. Yeah, and, and it's made even more complex by the fact that people do different things. Yeah, like what what's typical of of, of say of, of, of my students, and and was also typical of my own path as well through the music industry was you do like a range of different things. Mm. So you know, you might be you might be putting gigs on to kind kind of promote your own band, but then you'll get a band from outside of town to come in to kind of maybe headline and then you'll support them. And then, so then yeah. you're, then you're kind of wearing a promoter's hat. Yeah. Whilst also wearing an artist's hat. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, you know, you're going and you're doing your private lessons with, yeah. with, with kids on the weekend or, um, you know, in, in, in the evenings or whatever. Um, um, you know, and then you're going out and gigging. Yeah. And then you might be, and so, you know, and, and I would, so, so for example, I was also doing then like some live sound as well for other right. other artists. Um, and then you might have like, you might have your, your, your kind of um, being an artist live performance person, like a kind yeah. of, um, um, kind of hat, but then you've also got your um, covers band hat that right. you might wear. So you might yeah. get some covers gigs as well to kind of fit. So it's, it, it, it's made it there's there are all of these different possible um yeah. ways of making money yeah and you might find that to begin with you've got to do a bit of it, almost everything try a bit of everything yeah um, you really do. or you know like or to, to fill in gaps and slowly as as you find your success in a particular niche you find your sweet spot yeah um you, you start kind of traveling down that that, that route i th- that's that's the thing. It's and the phrase diversifying, um, sort of diversifying revenue streams. Yeah, sounds mm-hmm. like a wanky phrase. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, but, it, you it know, is. essentially, what it is is you got to have lots of different ways. And this is not just for independent artists; especially true for independent artists, but even for you know huge, successful, established artists. Of course, of course, yeah, they of have course. hugely um diversified revenue streams justin bieber will have hugely diversified revenue streams it's not just royalties it's not just um just royalties and touring and merch there's way more going on you know Mm. there's lots of brand partnerships there's like calvin klein endorsements and there's you know there's so much going on there's paid for social media uh promotions well um i mean like what one thing to say here i'm not going to name the artist but i I am a friend of mine recorded a podcast and, and, and this was mentioned on that podcast. And um, they said that this artist, <laughs> this is insane. This artist has a big partnership with a sports brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and the artist makes, and this is like, I'm talking like um, a big artist, like not just um, that person is 
kind of done some stuff. This is like one of the most respected, mm. well-known names in the UK. That artist makes more money from their brand partnership mm. with this sports brand than they do from their music. Absolutely, can believe that. 100% can believe and that. And this is like, this person has been like at number one, number one album, number one single, all Huge of that. Huge tours, yeah. you know, yeah. lots of merch as well, you know, all of those things. Yeah, It's hard to track that back though, because they wouldn't have that, that brand partnership without the music though. The music, oh, of course exactly. they wouldn't. No, so no it's, way. It's kind of, where does it, where does it, kind of begin and end you know mm. and, and the other thing is like some people will even like like you were talking earlier but even like at a, a really high level will step outside of the music industry so mm. um um i remember reading about ed sheeran apparently over the uh, coronavirus time has, has kind of expanded his property portfolio say so you know and bars he has rest i think a, a bar or a restaurant as well i think it's a bar actually yeah 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 so why is ed sheeran doing that you're like, damn, you're a cheerer. You're good, right? I know you're good. <laughs> you're <Yeah. laughs> well, not, like, struggling. <laughs> yeah, but, but again, it, it's diversifying income streams. But also you have to keep the machine going because that's the thing because you think, oh, you can just rest, rest on your laurels now. But okay, Ed Sheeran has management to pay, yep. has it all lots costs of people money. on staff to pay. It's a, It becomes a business. And it, the business then has salaries. People that work for you has costs associated with many, all of the you know it's it's now ed sheeran enterprises or ed sheeran limited or whatever it is you know it's now a business that needs to be sustainable definitely and needs to then and therefore then needs to diversify because then you need to keep people on payroll you need to um be growing as a business and not just because otherwise what you'll be doing is just kind of eating into you know the money you've got now fortunately for Ed Sheeran could probably go forever and live seven or eight other lifetimes and be okay and still yeah. not get through the <laughs> you know the 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 capital that's been accumulated mm. yeah but for most people that isn't true and um that's yet another reason why even you know big established artists like Ed Sheeran need to be diversifying and that's the thing, because it's, again, it's the music, it does have value. It obviously does, because look at all of these brands and um, brands and companies that what will pay a lot of money to be associated with, will pay a lot of money to um, have that piece of music used in their ad campaign, will pay a lot of money to that artist to endorse their product, will pay a lot of money to that artist to be, to sponsor their tour, will, you know, to have their branding on the tour. Um there is obviously a huge value seen in that will pay a lot of artists to access their social media uh, followers and their social media fan base. And all of that stuff came from the music in the first place. So the value is there and it absolutely can be monetized. It's just much later down the line that it's going to be monetized because, you know, um, say, you know, Ed, just because we're talking about Ed Sheeran, let's use Ed Sheeran now, or actually, no, let's use somebody that's kind of, emerged actually post-streaming because even Ed Sheeran, and this is the crazy thing, he broke as an artist pre-streaming. Yes, yeah. streaming platforms existed, but it it wasn't, it hadn't flipped. You know, downloads, it was still kind of about downloads and about chasing that iTunes position um, and, and physical sales, but it flipped in sort of 2014, 15 
to streaming taking over. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So if you think of an artist that's actually broken since then, maybe Cardi B is a good example, somebody that's a huge, huge name now, mm-hmm. a huge, you know, uh, and is one of the ones that's broken post-streaming. Yeah. Um, so Cardi B's not going to have um, stacked up the level of uh, capital from just her royalties. But from that music has built uh, this personal brand and built this uh, sort of identity that people really like. And it's amassed huge amounts of social media followers, huge amounts of people that will stream and buy and uh, just buy into her as an artist. They just buy into her. Yes, the music was the thing that got them there because it's that's what they love. But it doesn't stop at the music. It's then, okay, but now I want one of their merch items. Now I want to see them live. Now I want an experience where I'm, you know, and now I like them so much. If they're wearing something, they're wearing a jacket, I want that same jacket. Or I, uh, if they've got a handbag, I want that same handbag, you know. Um, But she's a good example, actually, of somebody who has very quickly because normally kind of look at the sort of trajectory of an artist and they spend, you know, the first kind of two, three, four years building up a fan base, you know, they'll have a moment where they sort of break what we call breaking an artist, you know, when they reach critical mass and, you know, that normally translate in chart success, you know, official charts, historically streaming charts now, um, you know, and, th- and then it's quite a long way down the line before they start doing brand endorsements and stuff like that. That is sh- dramatically shortened because the artists need to eat. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Charting Tracks. We'll be back next week with part two of this episode, Making a Living in Music. Until then, you can check out the rest of our episodes on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Charting Tracks. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at at Charting Tracks. Please feel free to message us with any of your questions or feedback. Until next week, thanks for listening and watching.